Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 82 of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is Know Better to Do Better, an interview with Mary Jewell. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. Today's podcast guest is Mary Jewell. Mary Jewell is a 27-year-old mom of six children from Knoxville, Tennessee. For most of her life, Ms. Jewell felt sick. As a child, she had strange symptoms like numbness in her head, bladder issues, stomach pain, and depression. Her dad was a medical doctor, so he ran all sorts of tests on Ms. Jewell, but none of them came back positive. Recently, she asked her family practitioner to test her for Lyme. She eventually tested CDC positive for acute and chronic Lyme disease. Ms. Jewell treated her Lyme disease with antibiotics and Dr. Stephen Buhner's herbal protocol. She also detoxes and has found a love for yoga. Ultimately, Ms. Jewell's experience with Lyme has led her to develop a passion for helping other Lymeys. Hi, Mary Yulin. Welcome to the program. Hello. Thank you for having me. So, Mary, where are you from? I'm from West Tennessee, uh, around the Jackson area. Could you share with our audience um, your family situation? Are you married? Do you have children? What, what is your family situation? Yes, I'm married. Uh, my husband and I have been married for about two, it will be three years this coming August. Congratulations. Um, thank you. We have a blended family of six beautiful children. Their ages range from five all the way up to 21 as of today, actually. Holy cow. Well, happy birthday to child number one. Thank you. So what do you do for work in uh, Tennessee? So I have always say that I'm primarily a, stay, a stay-at-home mom. That's what I did first for so long. My kids always come first. But now they're in school. So um, I am working. Uh, I have a friend who actually owns a business that's very close to our house. She has a bin store. And I work for her. So I just, I cashier there. I work for her um, Monday through Friday. And it's been a really great opportunity. She actually has Lyme as well. So uh, working with someone who kind of understands what it's like to have good days and not so good days. So it sounds like you're a really busy gal with a lot of kids and a job and, uh, and a lot of family responsibilities. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so Mary, can you share with us when you first began to show the symptoms of a tick disease? Yeah, so um, when... You know, like when I was a kid, I guess is when I started showing those symptoms. I had no clue that those were, you know, that that was why. But I was about seven or eight when I first started having um, health symptoms. Why do you believe the health symptoms that you were showing back when you were seven or eight were related to a tick disease? Because since getting my diagnosis and speaking with my practitioner, um, we had kind of gone over the fact that I've had health issues off and on since about that age. Um, the symptoms are, you know, they're kind of your typical Lyme symptoms. So although at the time we had no clue what was causing my problems, it kind of makes sense that having those same issues that I have still experienced as an adult are related to chronic Lyme, um, having been that all my test results were always normal. So how was your life affected by the symptoms that you've been showing since you were seven years old? So for example, during your childhood, did your illness prevent you from having a typical childhood? Um, I would say overall, I had a really good childhood and I was very good at sort of hiding those symptoms. A lot of my symptoms were in the form of, you know, depression, childhood depression and anxiety and then pain that I would experience. And those were sort of things that I would keep to myself and they would come and go. They weren't, they didn't affect my everyday life but they would come and go in waves, sort of. 
Now, Mary, I understand that your dad was a traditional medical practitioner. Is that correct? Yes. And how did your dad help you during your childhood with diagnosing and treating your illness? So he, you know, he did all the things that that a family practitioner would do. He ran the blood work. He um, he did all those things, and my results are always normal. And to him, you know, that that meant that everything was fine and. We just kind of dealt with the symptoms as they came, I guess, um, but there was no answer for them. So there really wasn't much of a solution other than let's get you through this little episode that you're having. Now, at any time during the course of your childhood when you were exhibiting these symptoms, do you think your dad doubted whether or not you were really sick? I don't think that he really doubted. I think that there were times when he believed that my anxiety got the best of me and that sort of kind of, you know, turned into what uh, other practitioners believed as well. So I don't want to say he didn't believe me, but I think that after years of me having different symptoms and there not being any um, medical diagnosis, um, that he kind of believed that a lot of it was anxiety related. So your dad didn't think that you were really physically sick. He thought that you were emotionally sick? I would say that would be pretty accurate. At any point during your childhood, did your father or your family urge you to seek treatment with a mental health professional? Um, yeah, when I was a teenager, I decided to go see, um, to go to therapy, and they encouraged that for sure. And I wouldn't say that that was a bad decision, but it sort of in a way just further encouraged me to believe that it was all in my head that all of my issues were purely anxiety, depression. Um, I actually was put on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication around 16. And, you know, it, it wasn't, I wouldn't say that that was the best decision at that age. <laughs> so now, now looking back, Mary, at your childhood and your adolescence, knowing that you were suffering from a tick disease, do you mm -hmm. harbor any, any anger or are you upset with the folks who really didn't believe that you were physically ill, even though you were, in fact, physically ill? I've had a lot of different emotions that I've gone through since kind of having that light bulb go off. Um, but I don't harness any anger towards my family. I truly believe that they, you know, were just completely unaware. And I think that they're just, you know, even more than now, there was no information then that was going around about Lyme disease. And I feel like they, they did all that they could, given the circumstances of what they knew. So I'd like to explore with you a little bit more about your childhood. I'm from New York, so I don't really know about whether or not you were living in a rural community in Tennessee or not. Uh, but were you living mm -hmm. in a rural community and did you spend a lot of time outside and did that result in you having contact with ticks? Right. Okay. So we were right outside the, like the outskirts of town. So it was a little bit rural, but we were still all, sort of in town. <laughs> um, but we were definitely, um, my parents had a lot of land and we were kind of, there were woods surrounding our house. There were ticks all the time. I and mean, we had tick, we found ticks on us pretty regularly. And that was just a normal part of life as a kid for me. You did have ticks either crawling on you and biting you during the course of the time that you were a child. And could you uh, share with us what you knew about ticks? Did you know about how to remove ticks? Did you know about how to treat yourself prophylactically if you were bitten by a tick? What did you know about ticks at that time? The only thing that I remember was being told to make sure that the, he the head of the tick had not put, you know, lodged itself in your skin, that you didn't want to just jerk it out without making sure. Other than that, it was just take the tick off and 
you know, basically I put some Neosporin on the bite. <laughs> there was nothing, um, nothing more expensive than that that I can remember. Now, of course, your dad was a medical doctor. So I'm wondering what his training led him to recommend that you do at the time that you were being bitten by ticks during your childhood. Right. Yeah, it, it makes me wonder as well. My dad actually passed away two years ago on Thanksgiving. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, thank you. He, um, he was, he kind of called himself the country doctor. I mean, he grew up, you know, in the country as well. He had, you know, our whole family um, was used to having ticks. I remember my siblings have, finding ticks on them. We would go outside all the time. We'd go fishing. You know, my dad would find ticks on him. I feel like it was sort of just a normal thing. And I'm not sure that he had any training at all on what to do in that case. So now I'd like to fast forward to your early adult life. You were exhibiting symptoms during your childhood. You were exhibiting symptoms during your adolescence. And both of those periods of time were essentially writing off your illness as a mental illness rather than a physical illness. How did that affect you in your early adult uh, life? Just what I believe. I, I just kind of had this feeling, you know, I had been told when I was a teenager, I heard the words, you probably have fibromyalgia. And so that's kind of what I've always carried with me, even before I got any diagnosis. I'm like, oh, I probably just have fibromyalgia. You know, it's not really something that can be tested. I'm just going to, you know, go on about my life. And as a young adult, I had, you know, I had my first son when I was 19. So my life became 100% about being a mom. And that's sort of what, what my focus was, 100%. Uh, and I kind of put my health on the back burner, I would say. Did your Lyme disease symptoms have an impact on your ability to parent your child the way you would want to? No, um, I actually had a, I was, I was very blessed, I would say, with, so my pregnancy was pretty hard, but um, after having him, there were times of having symptoms come and go, but I, that was definitely not my worst. I, I, I think I did pretty well with everything, um, as, as soon as I had him, that things weren't the way that they have been years after I had them, I would say. Did you deal with any other social problems? Meaning, you know, were you labeled the sick kid? Were you, you know, were you in any way socially isolated during your childhood or your adolescence? Um, I wouldn't say as a child that I would. I see I was homeschooled. So I've, I always was homeschooled uh, all the way through high school. So I kind of had to work to find friends and I would have to get out there and, you know, I, I went to church events and I, I went and made friends and I was pretty good at hiding how bad my anxiety was and how bad, you know, the symptoms I would have and the pain I would have. I was always worried that if I was open about that, that people, you know, that other people would think that I was weird or, you know, that it was on my head. So I just kind of kept everything to myself. Well, did you think you were weird? Did you think there was something wrong with you because you were feeling physical symptoms, but everyone said it was in your head? Oh, yeah, most definitely. I think that was uh, one of the roots of uh, all of my childhood depression that I experienced was having all these different feelings and symptoms. And it really started to manifest mentally uh, through depression. And, you know, being told that you have anxiety for all this time will eventually make you have really bad anxiety. <laughs> So, um, so you really did doubt yourself. You doubted whether or not you were physically sick, even though you knew you were physically sick. Oh yeah, most definitely. So let's fast forward into your, um, your early adult life where you begin to parent your first child. And by the way, it, would you mind if I asked, did you, has you, any of your children 
shown um, any symptoms of a tick disease? I just actually recently had both of my sons tested by my doctor that first tested me. Um, they both tested negative, but we are aware that her testing is not very extensive. It's very standard. So I, I actually have them both appointments to see my naturopathic practitioner who's Lyme literate because um, I do want to have them tested because I do have friends who have Lyme and then their children end up having Lyme as well. And both of my kids have food allergies. Um, my seven-year-old has some behavioral issues and just kind of your standard things that after doing research, I didn't know before, but now I see that some of these things are kind of the early um, signs of Lyme disease. And I just don't want to make that same mistake with my kids that happened during my childhood. So let's talk about your early, early period of your life where you begin to parent your children. You had your first child at 19. How did your symptoms develop and how did the symptoms impact your life? I think that honestly, when I think back of when my babies were little, that was a much easier time. I think that um, I had gotten to where, you know, I was pretty good at managing when I would have those symptoms. I kind of knew, you know, here are the things that I can do to kind of help myself when I'm having, um, when I'm having pain, you know, I would, I knew like I, it was time to take an Epsom salt bath or it was time to do some yoga stretches or whatever it was that I could kind of do to ease that. And then I think that the symptoms really didn't start actually getting to a point to where I could no longer ignore them until like last year. Let's look at the window of time between you having your first child when you were 19 and last year, which was when you were about 26. So there's a, there's a seven year window there that I'd like to explore with you. You, yes. you had a lot of symptomology and it sounds to me that you were using various alternative methods of helping you overcome the challenges that those symptoms are showing. Uh, so for example, I, I noticed from your Instagram, which by the way is a very beautiful Instagram. Thank you. You, uh, you, you uh, engage a lot of yoga positions. Can you share with us what kinds of things you were doing to help you get through the physical and the emotional challenges that your tick disease were causing you even though you didn't know you had a tick disease? Yes, so I started getting into yoga at about 16. I started very slow with just following some YouTube videos, and then I really started diving deeper into the spiritual aspect and meditation. So I would say that I definitely, um, yoga and meditation has been a staple for me um, whenever I'm really having a hard time and struggling. Um, uh, going into a yoga position or meditating can really help me to sort of come to um, a sound place. So that's, I think, been my number one staple through all of this. And I'm definitely not one of the people that's going to say, hey, yoga is your, you know, the cure-all. But it definitely has helped me personally to get through the hard times. So what, what has yoga done for you? Meaning, how has yoga helped you with the physical challenges that you are facing in that window between the ages of 19 and 26? And how has yoga helped you with the emotional challenges you are facing between the ages of 19 and 26? So for me, um, a lot of my health, my physical symptoms has been stiffness. I get really bad stiffness in my arms and my neck and my shoulders. And I'm sure a lot of people with Lyme can relate to that. In my hips, I just carry all this stiffness and tightness and pain and going deeper into finding the, the different yoga poses that you can get into to really stretch out those muscles, to really work those muscles and to strengthen as well, because weakness has been a problem for me in the past as well. So 
finding things that can help to strengthen and stretch um, has been a huge part of it. And the meditation part is just being able to find a place to quiet your mind. Because for me, when it comes to health issues and having flare-ups and things like that, my mind kind of, you know, runs 100% and I'm just overthinking everything. And it sort of makes things worse sometimes. So being able to come to that place where I can just be still <clears throat> and be completely in myself in that moment um, has really helped me um, to find that practice so that I can still my mind when it needs to just calm down and bring me back to a place that's not just overthinking and being stressed. Now, has the meditation also helped you with any self-doubt that you had either during the course of your parenting experience or your professional and family experience during that window between when you were 19 and when you were 26? Most definitely. Um, it's, it's been a lot of self-discovery, a lot of healing that has been involved in that. And I think meditation is very much healing for a lot of people. It helps me to not feel... I think I had a lot of shame um, for feeling like um, I was constantly like, oh, something's wrong with me, something's wrong with me, and everyone's telling me nothing's wrong with me. I was pushing in all of these emotions and all these feelings and not allowing myself to feel those. So through meditation, um, I'm just sort of unlocking those feelings and unlocking those deep emotions that I've pushed away for so long and allowing myself to feel those. Now, of course, Mary, that was a really important development for you because you had to get to the point where you believed there was something wrong with you to take the next step and find a solution to what was, in fact, wrong with you physically, correct? Yeah, oh, absolutely. So uh, before we go on to the last year, which I'm really excited to explore with you, I'd like you to tell me if there were any other tools you were using between the time that you were 19 and the time that you were 26 to deal with the symptoms of what you now know to be your tick disease, because I'd like you to pass those on to others in the event that they're looking for other tools for relief. Yeah. Um, so I've, ever since having my first son, I really started gravitating towards um, natural medicine. So uh, anything holistic, I, I've, I've always been a researcher. So especially when I got pregnant with my first son, I was like, okay, research everything. And I really started leaning towards everything holistic and more traditional. So I went to acupuncture, regular chiropractic care, um, movement, you know, body movement, yoga, using different um, supplements such as like magnesium to help with um, pain and anxiety. I'm trying to think what else, uh, elderberry uh, for sickness, because I don't know about you, but a lot of the times for me with having a chronic illness, when you have a regular sickness on top of that, it really makes things a lot harder. So doing things to boost my immune system, vitamin C. Um, and just doing research regularly, I think, has helped me a lot because then I kind of know what can I do right now for this symptom to help myself as much as I can. Um, but I would definitely say that one of my biggest things that had helped me the most was acupuncture. So, Maria, I'm, I'm fascinated by that part of your journey because you grew up the daughter of a doctor, a traditional doctor. How did you go from being the daughter of a doctor to being a gal whose research has taken her to the more traditional and holistic arena? Yeah, that's a question I've asked myself a lot <laughs> over the years. But I think that, so uh, although my dad was a, a general practitioner, um, he was also a, very much a researcher as well when it came to a lot of things. He was, he a lot of the times went for the more natural route with things during my childhood as well. So I think that sort of gave me um, roots in that area. My mom kind of always looks towards 
what vitamins can you take? What supplements can we use? And, um, you know, I remember she actually started juicing when I was like eight years old and that just really wasn't a thing yet. <laughs> so those sort of gave me those roots. And then when I was a young adult, I, and I started having kids, I developed this mom, you know, a, a group of moms that I became friends with. And a lot of them were leaning more towards the holistic ways of living. And that really um, gave me the encouragement to start looking there and researching. And when I started researching, I, I really started feeling like that was the way to go for me and my family. So now Mary, your life begins to develop in a way that you were using traditional medicines and you were, you were healing through using some of the traditional tools like yoga and meditation. You start to become more uh, emotionally healthy. And then you have a breakthrough mm -hmm. in about the last year. Can you share with our listeners how your life changed and how you were able to get finally to a diagnosis? Yes. So um, I am not the best at remembering actual dates, but in 2019, um, it's probably about seven months ago now, I noticed um, a bite on my leg and uh, my husband and I had just went hiking like the week before that. But we do live, you know, we live in Knoxville, Tennessee. We live near the mountains. They're kind of ticks everywhere around here as well. I noticed a bite on my leg. I didn't think much of it. I just sort of, you know, took care of it like I would care take care of any other bite. Um, it wasn't your standard bullseye rash, so I really didn't think tick. And um, at the time, I wasn't super aware of, you know, I hadn't really done my research online yet. I went on about, you know, regular life. And um, I started noticing some symptoms about a week later. I first thought, okay, well, this is just a fibromyalgia flare because um, I had had my fibromyalgia diagnosis about an, a year before that. So I thought it was just from fibromyalgia, not, not a big deal. And then I started noticing uh, weakness in my arms, uh, weakness in my legs. It started getting worse every day. My neurological symptoms started. I had a lot of brain fog. Um, I started forgetting a lot of things. Um, I started noticing that my words weren't coming out very clear. I was slurring my words, and that started becoming very scary. Um, I had, right before I had my bite, I went back to work, and then I had to stop, quit that job immediately because I couldn't get myself up out of bed to go to work. Um, I started becoming um sort of bedridden. I was just in so much pain and symptoms just kept getting worse. And then, um, yeah, about four weeks into that, after that bite, I was just full on. I, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't. My husband had to stop um, working as much as he was. He was staying home with the kids, taking care of the house. Um, I was pretty much confined to the couch and the bed 24-7. Do you believe that the bite that you received seven months ago was a tick bite that reinfected you? Or do you believe that that bite was the first time that you received a bite that resulted in you having Lyme disease? Right. Uh, very good question. So I um, had that same thought as well. I talked to my doctor about that. And um, I went to see a doctor who's also a friend of mine. And thankfully, she listened to me. She has a history in immunology. So she really listened to what I had to say. When she did my testing, um, she looked at the antibodies and she was able to see that, you know, that indicated that I had chronic Lyme disease as well as acute Lyme disease. So from what she believed is that I had this tick bite and it sort of sent, you know, the chronic Lyme that I had that had maybe been, um, you know, buried deep in my tissue. It had just been laying dormant it sent it, you know, into craze. So the chronic line, the acute line, that's just, it just sent everything um, 
going crazy in my body and then everything just got so much worse and that's what forced me into finally going to get tested. So your doctor came to the conclusion that your recent tick bite or your tick bite from seven months ago reinfected you and caused the Lyme, the chronic Lyme that you had been suffering from your childhood to be reactivated. Absolutely. And because of the reactivation of your chronic Lyme, and then of course the, the reinfection, you ultimately crashed. I mean, you were, you were so sick that you couldn't work. Uh, your husband had, yeah. to, had to step up and, and take over most of the parenting responsibilities. And you then mm -hmm. had to go through a health challenge unlike anyone that you've had before. Absolutely. Yes. You and your husband are on hiking. You're, you're living in a rural community. Did you do anything uh, to protect yourself from a tick bite when you and your husband were going hiking? Sadly to say, no, I didn't really know um, too much about it at the time. I just, you know, I just wore shorts and my chacos and I just, uh, I mean, just regular bug spray, but I didn't do anything um, extensive to protect myself from a tick bite. And, in hindsight, um, I realized that wasn't too uh, smart of me, but I just really didn't know much about it at the time. So now that you know what you know, what would you do differently if your husband said, hey, Mary, let's go hiking. What would you do differently now? Yeah, so I thought a lot about that because um, being outdoors is something that I love. Hiking is something that I love, and we live in a beautiful area for that. So I definitely don't want to miss out on living because of my illness. Um, but I've been looking into different ways to, to do that, you know, different clothing to wear to cover up more um, parts of your body, the, the right socks to wear, sort of what, yeah, basically just what to wear to cover up those spots and then to make sure that we're in a place where we can shower off immediately afterwards to check ourselves completely because that's not even something that I really did was to uh, wash my hair and make sure there was none in my hair. And now that I'm seeing that there, I didn't realize at the time how tiny a tick can be and, um, uh, how easy it is to miss one of those. So Mary, I, I'm wondering whether or not somebody who's now living a more holistic and traditional life would use a tool like DEET or permethrin to pre-treat themselves in advance of going out on a hike. Right. Um, so I don't use any products with DEET in it. Um, I've kind of turned more towards essential oil-based um, bug sprays, and I, I make my own sometimes. Uh, but that's something that I'm going to put into practice much more this summer, having had the experience of this past year and knowing what I know now. Um, that's kind of how I go about everything. When you know better, you do better. And now, now I know that that's something I need to protect myself and my family from um, much more extensively. So that's what we'll be doing this year for sure. Now, I'd like to ask you about the uh, tick bite you did receive and the, and the rash that you saw. Um, do you know anything differently about rashes now and whether or not they have to be a, a bullseye rash in order to be a Lyme rash? Right. Yeah. So when I had the bite, I did not know that. Um, but now I do definitely after doing this research. I, I can't remember the percentages right now. I'm sure you know, but there are um, many people never have a bullseye rash and many people never even actually see the tick on them. So it definitely does not have to be a bullseye rash. Uh, for instance, my tick bite was sort of more like um, a blister and it was definitely not your standard bite. Um, and thankfully I had a doctor that listened to me because I know there are many doctors that if you don't have that standard um, bullseye rash, they're not going to take you seriously and they're not going to believe that it was a tick that bit you. So now that you know what you know, 
And I think, I think your, your saying was, which is really cool, uh, uh, you know better, so you'll do better. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you were to go hiking and you were to see a different type of rash that wasn't a bullseye rash, how would you behave differently so that you wouldn't get sick the way you did this time? So I think, uh, so I've, I've got the Buner, uh, Stephen Buner's Herbal Protocol book, um, Healing Lyme. And that book has really been um, a lifesaver for me. Uh, he It's so informative and he knows his stuff. So um, he actually has a protocol in there. If you have a bite, the first thing that he recommends that you do is to use an andrographis um, herbal tincture on top of the bite and then to cover it with bentonite clay and keep that on there for about 24 hours. And that's supposed to help pull out a lot of that infection. And um, then my second thing would be to call my um, Lyme literate naturopath and, um, and let her tell me what to do from there because she, she knows her stuff as well. So I would, I would definitely be very cautious about that and um, uh, make sure that I'm, I'm treating it the best that I can. So doing better now would include taking a number of different steps after you discovered the rash so that you wouldn't get mm-hmm. sick the way you did to the point where you were um, housebound and bedbound and have, having to quit your job. Absolutely, absolutely. I'll do everything in my power to not get there again. <laughs> and, and you believe that if you do take those types of steps, you wouldn't get as sick as you did this time? Absolutely. Um, there's actually a homeopathic, homeopathic medicine that Buner recommends as well. I believe it's called, correct me if I'm wrong, but Ledum or Ledum is uh, the name of the homeopathic. It's 30C, and he says to take that um, orally as well as doing the topical and um, doing that to sort of prevent it, the infection from spreading and to kind of pull some of that out. So that would kind of be my first step, and then I would definitely um, call my naturopath and let her tell me what to do next. Now I want to fast forward to the experience that you had where you, you became really sick after this tick bite, and you and your doctor came to the conclusion that uh, you were sick because of the reinfection. What types of steps did you take to diagnose the, um, the illness? And then I'd like you to talk to me about how it made you feel about the 26 or 27 years of illness that you had that you didn't understand was a physical illness or you, you weren't allowed to accept was a physical illness when in fact it was. Mm-hmm. So uh, the first thing um, that we did is she, um, she did a standard uh, ELISA test, which is just a standard test that is usually done by um, <clears throat> a general practitioner. Me and my doctor were both aware that these tests can sometimes be very inaccurate and um, could potentially be a false negative. So, um, so we were ready for that possibility. But at the moment, that was the only thing that I could afford at the time. My insurance covered it. So I said, let's go ahead and do that first. That test came back positive. I do like to point out that my test came back. Um, it was not CDC positive, and uh, most doctors will not take you seriously if it's not CDC positive. Thankfully, my doctor was educated enough on the fact that she knew that even if it's not CDC positive, if you come back positive for any of the strands, that's enough to say you have Lyme. She looked at the antibodies, and she was able to tell through those antibodies that I had indications of chronic Lyme and um, acute Lyme. So as soon as those tests came back, she recommended that I start taking um, doxycycline. I did doxycycline for three months. As soon as I saw her, she is the one who recommended for me to go see uh, the Lyme literate naturopathic doctor that I see now. And um, so I made an appointment with her, started the doxycycline immediately, and then I started researching Lyme, connecting with friends of mine um, here in Knoxville that also have Lyme. And there's 
quite a few. And um, they recommended uh, Stephen Buner's book. I bought that book. I bought the herbs. And um, with my doctors, I had the okay for my doctor to start taking those herbs alongside the doxycycline. So that was the first thing that I did um, before I went to go in and get my appointment with the naturopath. So Mary, I'm really interested now in how your diagnosis has changed your life, right? I, you, you, you must be looking at your, your 27 years very differently now that you have a diagnosis for all of the illnesses that you had suffered for all of those years. How did, mm -hmm. how did that, that make you feel differently about your, uh, your life and your experience? So it has been a huge emotional journey as well um, since I had my diagnosis. My, my original, my first feeling once I found out that I had it was sort of, I equally had this feeling of fear and then also like, okay, finally I have answers. I've been looking for answers for so many years and finally I have an answer and now I can start focusing on healing, on healing myself and not just uh, looking for what's wrong, which is what I had been doing for so many years of my life. So you now finally have a diagnosis after all of, the, all of these years of illness, and you're now able to pivot and start focusing on your healing. But yes. you've been healing for a long time. So what I'd like you to do is explore with us, what tools were you using before your diagnosis that you continue to use on your healing journey? And then I'd like you to talk to us about what new tools that you use to help you now that you have the revelation of Lyme. Right. Um, so I continue to use yoga. That's always, I believe that will continue to be a staple for me. <clears throat> I definitely went back to acupuncture and started using acupuncture as well. How did that help um, you? As, um, that's been very helpful, actually. Um, he used uh, acupuncture and um, cupping and different things to help with circulation and the different parts of my body that hold the most tension and the most pain. So that's, that's been a huge help for me. So th those are things that I continue to use. Um, I started using physical therapy as well, which has been helpful. Um, I think anything that I can do to continue to uh, build strength has been um, something that I would definitely say has been uh, very helpful for me because losing my strength was the scariest part of this past year. Now, Mary, how has the diagnosis helped you emotionally now that you've been validated and you have a diagnosis do you feel differently about yourself are you more confident do you think you're able to do more because of this new confidence absolutely uh at, at first i thought it was a strange thing when i started feeling like um this diagnosis was a blessing but then i started realizing like this is i have so many years of my life has led up to this point of finally having this diagnosis finally getting the answers that i needed and in um, by doing getting those answers i started doing research and i've had so many friends that have come to me um, since getting my diagnosis who have also uh, found out that they have Lyme or they had a tick bite. And the first thing they did was come to me and I was able to help them and give them resources for information. And um, that has really just felt like a calling for me. And I'm so thankful that even though this journey has been so hard for me, that now I'm able to help other people who are struggling through such a hard time, um, that it makes it all worth it. So now talk with us about what tools you use in addition to the doxycycline and the Buna protocol that have been helpful to you to either overcome your symptomology or to help you to reduce pain. So I think detoxing has been a huge part for myself and many other people with um, Lyme and chronic illnesses. So um, detox baths have become a huge part of my life. 
I try. Um, I was doing every single night an Epsom salt uh, and baking soda detox fast because as I'm continually killing off, you know, these bacteria in my body, I need to flush those out and um, detox as much as I can to help prevent having um, Herx reactions, which are definitely not fun. So anytime I would use a new treatment, for example, getting um, IV vitamins. Uh, the first time I had um, the, an IV infusion uh, for vitamin C, I definitely had a huge Herx reaction um, after that. And I made the mistake of not doing a really good detox right afterward. And the Herx reactions for me have been in the form of really, really bad headache, usually turning into a migraine, um, body aches, sometimes nausea, sometimes even a fever, just like all, just like a full-on flu, like a flu feeling is what would happen for me when I would have a really bad Herx. So Mary, what your approach would be is to use a herbal protocol, for example, then you would detox, mm -hmm. then you'd go back to your herbal protocol, then you would detox. So detoxing was a, was a vital part of your healing journey. Absolutely. Um, I would definitely say that another thing that is very vital and important when you are treating yourself is to use a binder. So it's sort of when you're flushing these or killing these things in your body, um, things like activated charcoal, or actually my doctor or my naturopathic doctor has me on a, um, another, a biofilm buster as well. These are things that we need to do um, to help these herbs and medications to work to their full potential. So using binders, it's able to bind to those bacteria, flush them out of your body. And then when you're using a biofilm buster, it's able to get into that um, biofilm that has been built around these bacteria to protect themselves, to break down that biofilm so that your med medicine, whether it be um, an antibiotic or an herb, that it can get to those bacteria directly and kill them. Are there anything else that you'd recommend to other folks going through a Lyme disease journey other than the biofilm busters, the binders, and the detox protocol that you were using? I would say the, the best thing that I have done is to find a community that you can connect with that also has struggled with these same things. So finding a podcast like your podcast, finding a group on Facebook with other people that have Lyme disease, um, connecting with people on Instagram, Finding people who have been there and have gone through what you're going through can be such a help, not only through helping you find um, different things that can work for you, but also um, emotionally as you're going through this time of feeling like nobody understands. If you can find a group of people who understand, then you can feel less crazy and more like, okay, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. I'm not alone here. And I have a community that I can talk to um, without feeling judged about my life. Now, Mary, are there any challenges that you've had to face when participating in Lyme communities? Meaning, I understand that it's important to have groups of folks to relate to, but are there sometimes challenges presented by being in those communities as well? And do you have any ideas about how you could participate in a community of that sort and not have to be concerned about the challenges? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So when I first started um, joining groups um, and connecting with people, my first, I think the first challenge that I had was seeing too much information, being a little bit overwhelmed by all the information out there, all of the opinions, all of the different circumstances, and frankly, getting scared, you know, seeing people talk about uh, all the different challenges they face or the potential things that could happen. Um, those just sent my anxiety going way too overboard. 
so I definitely, what I have done now is to make sure that I'm like, no, I'm only um, going into these groups when I have something that I've, I want to talk to someone about, someone about, or I want to post a question, or um, some, instead of following these groups and constantly seeing every post and letting that become my everyday life, that's what I did for like the first couple of weeks when I was really diving into it. And it became almost unhealthy because it was making me worry too much. So I think that if you can find a good community on social media, like on Instagram, and you're seeing people who are posting um, things uh, every day about their struggles, and but it's also um, very encouraging that there, there could be a middle ground there and you have to find a healthy balance to where you're not obsessing over it, but you are also staying connected with people when you need to talk and you need to um, to have someone to connect with that understands what you're going through. So Mary, tell us where you are today. How, how much of your health have you regained? And then I'm gonna ask you a second part of that question, which is, and what were the most important tools that you used to get you to where you are? So I'm very thankful to say that I've been able to go back to work. Um, Congratulations. I started working it, thank you very much. Um, I started working for a friend of mine about a month ago. I am uh, back in the gym, um, going to the gym regularly. I do yoga regularly. I am able to get back into playing some music again, which is one of my passions. I am able to be a better mom and take care of my kids and, and take care of my house better and um, be more active, which is just such a blessing. It's something that you definitely take advantage of um, until it's taken away from you. So I, I would not say that I'm 100% and that I never have hard days because I definitely have days to where I flare up and um, to where I have, you know, pains and tightness and stiffness, but it's to a point to where I can get through it. I can push through it and um, I know that I'm able to get through it and I don't have that fear which has been the worst part of it. If you have that fear rooted inside of you of something going wrong, I no longer have that. And I'm still seeing my naturopathic doctor. We do testing, you know, every, um, every couple of months to see where all my levels are. I'm still working with her. She has me pulsing two different herbs right now. And I'm just taking those like every four days for three days. And um, I'm still doing binders and detoxing. Um, but it's gotten to a point to where I don't have to obsess over doing, you know, all these things every single day now. I just try to um, maintain um, maintain a schedule to where I'm continually taking care of myself, doing yoga, being active, meditating, and getting as much rest as I can. But um, m my life has definitely changed so much over the past year, and I 100% look at it now as a blessing because I'm able to help other people, and I am feeling so much better myself. So let's talk about that transformation and the blessing that you now ha see as your Lyme disease journey. How has that blessed mm -hmm. you and how has it changed you? And why has it made you want to help other people through, for example, your really beautiful Instagram where you're sharing so much about yourself and your family and your experience? What, what has caused that transformation? Yeah. So hitting that rock bottom that I hit really put a lot of things into perspective for me. Um, having that fear of <clears throat> possibly losing my life definitely made me appreciate things more and want to live my life to the fullest. <clears throat> Joining these groups and these communities and seeing how many people struggle with this and seeing even how many people in my life, personally, friends of mine who have been diagnosed with Lyme since my diagnosis has 
really motivated me to help other people. Um, since I've had friends who have come to me and they have, they're like, hey, I have these same, same symptoms that you've had. What should I do? And I say, go get tested. And they get tested and it turns out they have Lyme. And I am just like, wow, I, I have the power now to help other people to get on their path so that they can find healing as well. And um, being transparent for me has been something that's really, uh, it's definitely vulnerable, but I feel like it's so important. So having my Instagram page and sharing about my experience um, is something that I'm happy to do because I want to help anybody in every way that I can. Because I know once you get to that point, <clears throat> it's so hard to even imagine that you can ever get back to yourself again. And I want to show other people that you can. You absolutely have the power to regain your health and get your strength back. Thank you for listening to the Tick Boot Camp interview with Mary Jewel. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you'd like to know, learn more about Mary Jewel, visit her Instagram at Mama with a Few Spoons. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Boot Camp podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. Third, we here at Tick Boot Camp have created a Tick Bite Blueprint which has been inspired by the information that has been shared with us by past podcast guests. We urge you to visit our website at www.tickbootcamp.com to view the blueprint. We would appreciate it if you would contact us with any suggestions you have for improvements. Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or Spotify to get your automatic episode updates of our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, we thank you, our listeners, for your comments on our past podcast episodes. Please take a minute to leave us an honest review on iTunes, on Instagram, or on our website. We make it a point to read every single one of the reviews we get. Thank you for listening.